We are back in the media pit. We, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to have to squeeze all of this in. No, no fourth topics, Michael. <laughs> we have uh, Pan Ams to talk about, or lack thereof, who knows. Uh, we got the third round of the USCX in Baltimore. And then we have American World Cups coming up. So, Michael, what have you been doing? Uh, working like a dog. I need a vacation. So I think my vacation is going to be going to Fayetteville and taking photos of bike racers. Outstanding. And and you were, uh, what was that? What's that race that you covered? Oh, there? yes. I will definitely give a shout out to Noma to Noma, a uh, 150 mile Grand Fondo around Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans. Uh, it's a kind of Grand Fondo slash Alley Cat. A um, little bit of controversy at the end of the race where people chose faster routes that were not the official route in the race bible and uh they won the race because of that so it's a fun little event yeah that was a 430 to 430 day of taking photos were were there were there arguments about spirit no unfortunately this we have we we escaped any sort of spirit um i think everybody at the end was happy with how it, how it worked out and uh glad to get the 150 miles over so how did they work it out though? I mean, was, were there disqualifications? Like, did they? Was there beef on Instagram? How did this work out? Um, they just was like, yeah, then that, that's fine. Race directors like, it's all right. Doesn't matter. Whoever we got here first wins, and that's how it went. And everybody was like, okay, we paid twenty bucks to do this race, so whatever. All right, and Zach uh, working globally, cheering locally this past weekend. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunately my brother got COVID and I was unable to to make the trip to DC to Baltimore via DC. So uh, Chicago resident went to my first Chicago Chicago Cross Cup, got started. And guys, I mean, I don't know if you guys care about this as much as I do. I don't know if I care about this as much as I do. But there is an epidemic of pinwheels in Midwestern <laughs> cyclocross. And you know, new venue. I was excited. Go there, and there's this thing, and I'm like. There's people riding in circles. And I was like, hmm, walk over there. And I was like, that is definitely a pinwheel. So that makes two pinwheels. There was one at the opening uh, race in Wisconsin as well. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Chicago Cross Cup. Maybe lose the pinwheels. We don't want to contribute to a pinwheel epidemic in Midwestern cyclocross. The the pinwheel is the coelacanth of, of cyclocross. What, what once was thought dead is back again. Or extinct. That may be the case. I mean, it may be, you know, we, so, you know, so uh, backwards. It's Austin, Austin Killips chimed in and said, you know, maybe they're making up for Rookfin because Rookfin got canceled. Uh, so keeping the pinwheel spirit alive. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was that was my experience. It was a great day, though. Otherwise, a uh, great fun race. Two awesome races in both the elite men's race and elite women's race, both won by juniors. So that was pretty impressive. So. Do you think the the popularity over the last five years of consumer grade drones have <laughs> led to the popular rebirth of the pinwheel? That's I mean it's a beautiful aerial that shot. A, yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible theory. All right. Uh we're going to start with uh I guess Pan Ams. Um yeah, I I I I, I did a little impromptu journalism inning, I guess. Uh, and because there had been rumors, I mean, we've heard rumors for weeks, months now at this point that Pan Am's 
wasn't going to happen. There were a lot of rumors that it was going to get moved to really rad. And then those rumors were quashed. And then, you know, but uh, it turns out that the Costa Rican Pan American Cyclocross Championships are not happening in Costa Rica. So nothing, nothing has been canceled for the event itself, but it certainly will not take place in Costa Rica. And now the North American contingent, Canada and the U.S. are kind of scrambling, trying to see if they can make this thing happen, which is kind of all mixed up because it's not really Cycling Canada's jurisdiction. It's not USA Cycling's jurisdiction. It's Kopachi's jurisdiction. Uh, the only plus side is that we now have a new... Uh, president of the cross commission, interim president, you know, Brooke Watts, I think stepped down even last year. So that had been a vacant position since he left that, uh, spot. And so really nothing had, there was no, it was rudderless. <laughs> I mean, I think, and, and now it seems like at least, at least we have a rudder again and hopefully we'll be moving forward. It's going to be, it's gonna be a lot of work to get something stood up and running for this year, but that's the hope. Um, so yeah, Pan Am so far, hopefully will still go on. I think that by the end of this week, early next week, according to the people I've been talking to, we should know more. Bill. Bill? Yes. Bill? Yes. Where, Bill, where should Pan Ams be now? Well, Michael, that's a good question. And, you know, I think it's really up to the people to decide. And if, if you go on to uh, my Twitter feed, uh, I, I, you know, put together this article or bullet points, I guess, for the bulletin and put it out there. Bulletin points? Is that <laughs> something? Um, and, and uh, oh, man, we should start that, Zach. Yes. Write that down. New I love one. it. <laughs> uh, and um, I... Yeah, and and the takeaway from from that tweet was just everybody nominating their local course as where Pan Am should be. So if you go on there, there's I think 12, 15 different, you know, course possibilities. So what I said before just disregard cuz this should be really easy. We should we should have a venue tomorrow because there are at least 15 viable options. Bill, you're missing my point. You know where Pan Am should be. I want you to recall your previous bit. Oh, and you, well, I, I, yeah, I, it, and that sort of the funny thing was it was like I think Europeans that came up with this today yeah. that they should just because they were joking about um, Netherlands, I guess Colorado or wherever else. And again, yeah, let's just have Pan Ams in Europe. Let's. Ha- I mean, look at. Let's do it. Let's. Okay, so the Euros are at Namur in Belgium. I mean, no, none of the Belgians want to come to the States for the World Cups. So let's just take Pan Am's to Belgium. I was going to say, if we're going to play this game, we've got to go to Belgium, Wisconsin. I mean, <laughs> it's right there. Just north of Port Washington, up on the east side, up by Door County. I, it's there for the taking. Well, well, the great thing was the the our, one of our Dutch friends who was like, oh, let's just put it in Fayetteville, North Carolina. <laughs> so it's confusing. And then I, I pointed out to him via the you know website that has all the different places in the country with the same names that there are 13 other Fayettevilles in the U.S. as well so you know you could just have a different you could have a you could have a whole season you could just have the Fayetteville national uh, calendar 
for cyclocross. Bill, so I, I should probably know more about this doing this position, but doing your journalism, you identified Kopachi. You corresponded, I believe, with someone from Cop- Where does Kopachi exist? Like, do they have a headquarters? Like, how does this organization, like, is it is it a GeoCities website? Like, how does this work? I did not talk to anybody in Kopachi. I don't think that's possible. What I do have is since it's DC, so you pretty much can know somebody from anywhere that we have a, uh, a friend of ours who is in the cycling community, actually one of the uh, big wigs for DCCX, and he's Costa Rican. And he was like, let me talk to some people. And he was able to sort of dive down and get into the Cycling Federation. He was kind of the beginning of this, um, uh, yeah, uh, a journey that I went on today to try to get this information. So you did not go into the the heart of copachiness you did not you did not get there well i did learn about copachi i did learn that there's like a northern central southern zones of copachi i learned that there are 40 countries that are legit members and then there are four members that we kind of accept but they're still controlled by the french or the uh, brits or like the Dutch or somebody. So they're kind of like not full members because they still got like their Euro governmental roots. So yeah, it's some crazy stuff. What do you, what do you guys think the odds are Pan Am's actually happening this year? I mean, I, it just, it just sounds challenging, Bill, because you were talking about possible races that could go on top of and you know some of the uci rules i'm just i'm curious like do we like is it going to happen or yeah i mean like everybody was talking about really rad which uh, i mean it anything can happen it's cyclocross right that's like the first rule cyclocross anything can happen but i i did talk with the promoter of really rad this morning and I got an email back from him. He's like, not doing it. It's like it's not in our plans i love that everybody has the faith in us but we're not doing it now if that changes over the next couple of days, because this decision from the UCI that it was postponed just happened like this weekend. So this is all fresh. So maybe he can be convinced otherwise. I don't know. But the the, the bottom line is if that happens, there's the USCX. Like, so the USCX, I think, would just have to be five days, five races instead or seven races instead of eight. If that's the case, I don't know if they want to do that. What happens with GCN? What happens with the broad? There's, there's so much more. What happens with the prize money? You know, there's so many different considerations to, to that, that take place in this. And these things aren't cheap. You know, I think that uh, for it to happen, something that normally doesn't happen where federations kind of help out with uh, hosting events that I think, you know, there may have to be funds coming from some of these other federations that really want to have uh, Pan Ams to make it possible. So, I mean, there's just... So, so many factors there. Um, I would also say, and this is not to say that the American contingent, USA Cycling, doesn't want Pan Ams. I'm sure they do want Pan Ams, but from the discussions I've had, the Canadians really want Pan Ams. I mean, they are, they're the ones who are really the driving force in this and, and want to make it happen. And, you know, they, you know, they, they now have the, uh, cross commission president for Capachi and working for cycling Canada as well. So there, there's, there's a lot of stake there. All of that being said, Michael, to answer your question, 35% that it happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, it's, I guess I'm just like, it's unfortunate that 
you know, it's not going to happen in Costa Rica because I, I know the Pan Ams has been pretty concentrated in the United States and Canada, but it's the Pan Ams and we have a whole other continent um, that we, you know, like it's, I want to go to Costa Rica. I mean, like I, we obviously want to sort of spread that. It is tough though, because it's such a large area and it's like the euros. I mean, it's not as big and it's sort of easier to move that around. And it's an unfortunate situation where, you know, you get, you know, right now the riders who sort of made plans to sort of like peak for Pan Ams are kind of like, whoops. Um, okay. Yeah. Like I maybe skipped well, a race for no reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. Caleb. Uh, but, you know, maybe maybe it'll still happen. He talked about it. Caleb Swartz was the guy who's like, I'm not going to Charm City because I want to get ready for Pan Am. So I, I, I hope he's still able to do that. Uh, but, I, you know, to go along with that, Michael, I think that you know, even even to be a UCI race in the U.S., you have to go through the American cross calendar first. You've got to sort of like prove that you're able to put on a high level race and then prove that you're able to put on a UCI C2 race and then maybe a C1 and then maybe you can get, you know, nationals. And for whatever reason, Pan Ams is like, raise your hand if you want the event. And I just, that part, and I know Zach, we've had this discussion a lot before where I'm like, why this, this like race of confederation level that has all of these points and all of this importance in other places we're just sort of like blah whatever it's just it's just there i i, I still i still don't get it. it it's it's weird that this is still just this throwaway event in my opinion the only reason <clears throat> that i think it became like a thing is that the racers cared about it i mean that's why i got interested in it is that there was this level of intensity where the best riders i mean i guess i was thinking about when Pan Am's peaked, and I was thinking back to, I would say, 2018, I think, is like the peak interest or whatever. But like in 2017, you had Katie Compton flew back the day after doing Copenburg to race Pan Am's, then flew back to, to, to Belgium, you know, that year that she was racing uh, the full pole in Europe. And I just, you know, I think last year we saw a lot of the big, some of the big names kind of skipped it. And this year was going to become even more fractured. And it's like, well, what does it even mean? Is it worth the effort if it is going to not be a premier event that all the top riders are going to show up at? You know, I mean, and not to be mean to Raylan Noss, but like Claire Hansinger and Megaly Rochette both skipped Pan Ams last year. I think that diminished, you know, they were clearly the two top riders that kind of diminishes the meaning of the event. And so I don't know. I mean, it just seems like with riders focusing on the USCX and ride other riders being like, oh, I can go win a jersey by going to Costa Rica. Um I don't know if I'd really care if it personally as a fan, as you know, someone who's covered the event, uh, if it get canceled. And I guess I'll say the other thing. I feel like we have to acknowledge the reality. And I've made this, I, f I felt like I've made this point, like cyclocross, there's not as much money. It's really hard to travel. Yeah. It's really cool to go to Costa Rica. If there's tons of money flowing and teams can be like, let's go pay tons of money. But everyone's like, Hey, I'm shoestringing this. How am I going to get host housing? How am I going to drive my my van to Costa Rica? You know, it's a really expensive trip. And I guess I just think until more money in cyclocross, I think we should think about making a calendar that makes sense given the reality of of the world. But then again, at the same time, it's the federations don't decide. Someone has to bid on it, right? Like with worlds, everyone's like, "Ah, why are they going to Arkansas?" It's like because they put up the millions of dollars to do it. So should we? Uh 
talk about some USCX racing in Druid Hill Park. Yeah, I wanted. Yes, I think we should. And I, I wanted to say that, you know, we'll move up kind of the bummer news of Pan Ams. We'll move on to something maybe a little more exciting. Um, I wanted to say, you know, they say cranes in the sky is like an indicator of maybe a good economy in a city. And I got to say, seeing the forklifts in the air at Charm City was like a sign of like some good racing. And there were some races that did not disappoint. Uh, they, were, they were a pleasure to watch. You know, Charm City's got that kind of old old country charm to it in their, in their sponsorship. They got that heavy machinery sponsorship. That's why you have those, um, you know, cherry pickers and forklifts around. They have their scaffolding sponsorship. They have their roofing company sponsorship. They, they you know, it's, it's the, all of these, it's the stuff that we always preach. It's all these non-endemic sponsors that then also, yeah, have this huge field that they get to show off their, their cool, expandable, you know, cherry picker, heavy machinery stuff. It's, which makes for really neat. Well, photos. and kudos to you, Bell, for the uh, interview with Chris Auer framing that. Oh, so perfectly. That was very well done. I, I, I texted you and I was Thanks. like, A plus. Because I, I remember your photos from, I think, Hulaham. Uh, yeah, back in the day, yes. um, you know, with the cranes or whatever. And that we talked about it, that it's a major part. Like, Vinny B is sponsored by a construction company. <laughs> like, you know, construction. So anyway, all of this is to say is I nodded to myself and said, hell yeah, Bill. Yeah. Uh, good, good turnout at Charm City. You know, I, I, I think that we're seeing this a lot uh, around the country uh, that as much as we may want to uh, decree Cross is dead, that uh, people are coming out and racing. You know, they, they had huge days, even with horrible weather. I think they had close to 1,800 maybe for the weekend in, in racers. So, you know, legit old school style style racing nobody registers early anymore i mean that's always still the scary thing for promoters but at least for a lot of events they they are showing up that's cool and the weather showed up um pretty much (laughs) on but maybe not as much as i was expecting on saturday i mean i know looking at the the forecast uh when I still thought I might be going, it was like forecast rain for both days. But Bill, you were kind of there. It seems like the sense that Saturday wasn't super wet, but it seems like there was the sense that like, yeah, it's for sure. It's a, it's a sure thing on Sunday. Well, it was just dark and damp the whole weekend. And it was, it was, it was one of the, it was the type of weather that just, just kind of wears on you because you knew it, it wasn't changing. Like it was, it was just a, a constant, like it would be less rain or more rain, but it wasn't like the sun was going to peak out at any time. And then Sunday it was, it was never like torrential downpour, but it was kind of this, just this constant rain, but the wind also was up. So it would be, not like pelting rain, yet it would still be going sideways. It was just these bizarre conditions. But yeah, I mean, just like, you know, soaked to the bone. Thankfully, it was still you know, high 50s, mid 60s the whole weekend. So it wasn't like just, you know, people were getting hypothermic. It was all, it was all doable. It was just really wet. And not, you know, it wasn't like necessarily 
crazy mud. You know, it was slick, it was snotty, it was, but it wasn't like you know ankle deep anywhere on that course. Yeah, I saw a lot of cameras in trash bags out there, and I was like, yeah, that'd be kind of a tough couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. I yeah, my my stuff was uh, drying out for for about a day. And I think so I saw after, after that one, Vandenham like still cleaning out crap from his like crank set like well and that was so that's the you know that's kind of the problem that you have or that was maybe even worse on saturday is that it's all the all the grass so it's not it's not a heavy enough rain that stuff is getting washed off your bike while you ride yet you're picking up all of this wet grass that is just like getting clumped into your brakes and clumped into your gears and everything else so that's you know you're still switching bikes and just like trying to clean them is just a disaster were the power washer situation was that good do we have any power washer beef so they did it's interesting that you didn't hear <laughs> one thing. One of the they, they you did have in some of the races uh, designated bike washers again, like people washing bikes. However, Chris Hour, the the race director, former racer, former like you know been through every level of cycling, was one of the guys racing bikes. And if you know Chris Hour, not not many people were really gonna. Um, get in his face about it because that's just not the the way you go about interactions with Chris. Uh, and he would be the first to, to agree with that. And so I, I think there wasn't any complaint. And I think he does a good job. I mean, the guy's like, you know, been a mechanic. He knows he knows what the hell he's doing with a bike. He owned a bike shop too. Uh, so I think they, they may have been more proficient. However, they also allowed trade teams or whomever to kind of BYOPW for the elite racers, the races. So they were, there was definitely uh, teams that were setting up shop uh, with their own power washers, which you can say, well, that's not fair. But what it does is, is just, especially for these teams that had multiple riders, it just, it really took the pressure off of the, the other washing stations that were there. So I think that was a, that was a doable solution. And I don't think we had the same, uh, issues that we had in Rochester. Pun intended. So the elite women's race will start on Saturday. Uh, we had practice laps, kind of, uh, interesting, uh, thing. I mean, I, I guess looking at Anne-Marie Worth's results last year, I think she went like fifth, eighth, sixth or something like that. So she was probably clearly disappointed with her results in the three world cups last year. And she blamed it in, it seems like in large part on on jet lag, and so this trip has helped uh, shake out the jet lag. Talked a lot a lot about uh, jet lag uh, a bunch, at least on on Saturday. We'll get to what we should talked about on Sunday, but uh, yeah. So kind of using these races to kind of get into top shape because we know that the uh, the Dutch contingent is coming and. She went out fast. I mean, we saw group racing, maybe where she would wait till all of lap two. Uh, but in this race, she took the whole shot, and then she just kind of kept going. But uh, Sydney McGill, you love to see it. Just, uh, you know, sat on her wheel, at least at the beginning of the race, and she's kind of made it known that she's going to go for it at the beginning of the race. And I guess for a young rider, I mean, why not, right? You love to love to see young riders just take that opportunity and be like, how long can I stick with her? Yeah, it, here... Just backing up a second, just because, you know, having traveled to Europe and back, and I, I don't want to uh -oh. start any controversy here, but 
my experience, and I don't think I'm alone in this, the jet lag's much harder going to Europe than it is coming <laughs> back from Europe. So for the Europeans going to the U.S., you're basically picking up six or seven hours in your day. And then, so, I mean, I think that it's easier to kind of acclimatize to that than going the other way where you've just basically destroyed yourself. But that's, that's neither here nor there. I'm not a professional athlete. I don't know. No, no, let's just, yeah, let's give them, I'm sure it takes, let's give them credit. Let's be very happy that they're coming here. Uh, We know how some of them feel about it. So I'm very excited that Anne-Marie. I, I, I give all of the Dutch women credit for coming (laughs) to the U.S. and, and, and racing. Uh, one of the interesting, I mean, one of the, I guess, few interesting things from this this race was uh, Anne-Marie Wurst versus the off-camber. It was an ongoing struggle uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, on Saturday, uh, she kind of slipped out. She tried taking the, uh, I. it's a, you're going up a, a hill and you're turning right. And so she cut it really close. She tried to just go to the the low line, so take it a hard right and slipped out. And it seems like uh, Bill, you were there. It seems like the 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 ride to the line to ride was to go to the left and go higher up, uh, and then kind of come back into it. And that seemed like riders who did that had much better luck entering that feature on Saturday. You know much how much we like shelves, yeah, right. There's one line on that thing. If you want to ride, there is one potential line to ride that. And even there, you know, just b- being able to do it cleanly when it's wet is 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 no easy task. But it's it's pretty defined in that middle. So you got to get up a, a little higher. And if you go low, I mean, I think if you go high, high, then you might be able to slip down into it. It's kind of that more tactic, you know, if you start high and then maybe you can just sort of like um, – knock your way down to the to the actual line but if you go low it's kind of just like you're just off and you're running and dragging your bike behind you so i don't know i i, I kind of i kind of respect Anne marie's uh hard-headedness on this where she was going to you know what did she have to lose i mean not the race but damn it she was going to solve this feature if it freaking killed her by the end of yeah, the weekend so in, in lap two i think she did kind of the same thing and i think she might have slipped out but by lap three she figured out that she was supposed to go i think that by that point uh that she she figured that out and well she did say i mean you were talking about practice laps she did say that you know and i, I was there friday they were not there friday so they did not show up they she basically came into this course other than getting on for maybe a half lap at a time during the day she she was coming in cold like there was no sessioning, there was no figuring out lines beforehand. She, it was, it was truly on the job training for her as as far as how to race this course. That it's not not an excuse for when you have to do it again Sunday and you're sort of trying to force your will on it again. But yeah, that's for her and and Boston's. They they did not they did not get any pre ride laps on Friday. What do you mean by practice laps, Zach? They're actually showing practice laps. Do you mean Bill? I think practicing, practicing. Oh. Well, you said it earlier, but I think it was practicing oh. for the World Cup. Oh, gotcha. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So she was doing the thing where she wanted to to really see where her fitness was, was how she described it. So she went and just went really, really, really hard uh, from the beginning. And I mean, I guess the unfortunate thing for us as fans is that there was no real intrigue at all because she, you know, save uh, I mean, I guess she fell back and McGill retook the lead, but then, you know, by the end of that lap, Worst had already retaken the the, the lead and had an advantage. So, 
um, yeah, I guess you just saw like when she wanted to commit to it and go hard that she was able to get a gap pretty quickly. And she said as much, you know, that's when I talked to her after the race, she said that, that, that was her plan. It was like, you know, I sort of couched it as I know you're not trying to disrespect anything, but there's got to be some other goal out here. And she was like, yeah, I, I want to do well in the world cups and <laughs> got to push myself. So it's kind of unfortunate that that's what it, that's what it came down to, which meant we didn't have much of a, uh, fight at the top. Carolyn Manny continues to impress, you know, look great both days, just able to, you know, the, the, the true definition of best of the rest. You know, she just was able to gap the rest of the field and there was basically Anne-Marie, Carolyn, and then a battle for third, fourth, and fifth. And that's kind of what we saw throughout the weekend. Yeah, I mean, like the story, uh, I mean, the story that of the weekend, I guess, besides that is uh, Austin Killips against uh, Sydney, Sydney McGill. I mean, the two of them, I think both days ended up battling against each other. So they finished with each other for fourth and fifth. Um, but yeah, Raylan Nuss in third and then um, Austin in fourth and then Sydney uh, finished fifth on Saturday. Yeah, and then in Austin get third on yeah Sunday, yeah so right? on Sunday they were in that uh, epic battle for for third place so for a podium spot in that one yeah and that that was kind of the excitement excitement of the race you know so it's cyclocross right Michael you got battles everywhere that was that was kind of the one to watch yeah I mean also not every race is a winner so, you know like it just it just kind of what it is sometimes like some races like. We've seen it in the men's side where there's been blowouts and it just kind of flip-flops. And I think this weekend, for me, um, the highlights were the men's races where we got, we sort of had this brewing battle or we've had this brewing story, the storyline of Vinny B versus the North American contingent. And um, they finally, we finally pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the type of thing that you didn't have that same intrigue on the women's side, because Anne-Marie wasn't here for the first round in Roanoke, so it was just basically she swept Rochester and then came into Charm City, and that was it. That was the end of end of what we're going to see here. I, I don't think that either of them will be in the final uh, at Really Rad for the final of the USCX. So this was kind of kind of shot, and that stormy storyline really didn't have the opportunity to build. But Zach, it also didn't have the opportunity to build because with Vincent. It's been building for more than one season now at this point. You know, he's carrying this streak yeah, from and last I mean, and year. He was a formidable opponent in 2019 when he was here as well. They were having fits trying to beat him. I mean, one, one, he won one of the days at Rochester. Uh, I mean, I admittedly, uh, I wrote about this in the bulletin in my race report. I felt like Saturday was the day, if of all the days, that they were going to knock off the Vinny B juggernaut. I mean, he, he clearly was on bad legs. He said as much in his post-race interview, but you could just tell he was, he was not up in the group. He was falling back and it seems like he was struggling. Uh, and you had, you had Scott McGill, you know, fresh off the plane from Australia. And he's like, Oh, I'm here. I'm just going to like drop bombs on this field. Whatever. You had Tobin Orton Blad. I mean, Tobin's basically coming into these races with a mission to like go crazy. You had Kerry Werner was there too. Uh, and, like guys were just putting in attacks and, you know, McGill was shaking things up. Tobin was shaking things up. And it seems like if any day was going to kind of like have that effect that we talked about where the American, the North Americans were going to like team up 
uh, on Vinny B that Saturday would be the day. And I, you know, at the end, I mean, spoiler alert, he won, but I was like, man, I, I think that was, and I was wrong here, obviously, but I came away from it being like, man, they really, they blew a golden opportunity. Yeah. So just to back up a second, Michael, you're, you follow road racing, Scott McGill, you know, the pride of Maryland, every, he had one of the biggest, uh, cheering sections out there. He's, he's not Canadian, much to <laughs> the um, confusion of uh, Marty, Marty on the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a Maryland kid. And, and I was thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, he was at Worlds. And I was like, that was Rochester weekend. Right. I mean, that, that was like, he's only been home for like hours at this point. I mean, a couple days, but just to get, you know, you talk about jet lag. That's uh that's the other side of the world. And he was in a breakaway for 200 K. He's his lay. He's feeling good. I mean, he like, he put in all that work at worlds made, made America proud. Um, and then he's like, yeah, let me just drop into the cross race. Um, I bet he was feeling good. I, I bet he, you know, there was no chain on his bike. Bill, did you see his shoes? I, you know, I, I did. He, he did actually, sadly, have mountain biking shoes this year. So I, I love watching. Yeah. It's interesting just to, to watch the some of the men. It's like you've got McGill, the most aggressive roadie position ever, and then you move up to Brunner, who's like arrow, and then you go to Curtis, who's like, yeah, he's you know he's more cross, but he's done some road, and then then you have like Tobin and Carrie, who have like the widest bars ever, and just sort of just upright like mountain biking <laughs> and it's just so fun to watch the different styles and how they attack the courses um but yeah mcgill mcgill dropping bombs from worlds that that was that was really cool to see um and what he was that day one is when he slipped out right when he was fighting or was that day two he was close to the podium uh yes yeah both well, no, days, he right? created he created the brunner break because late in the race him and brunner or brunner were off the the front and they went. It was actually pretty cool. It was they had the cool drone shot. It was almost like in tandem because they were with must have been with Vinny and Curtis. And like one went left and one went right, kind of into that twisty section in the woods. One of the technical right. section. It was like yes. perfect. They were just like, You're going that way, I'm going this way. Um, you know, and they they did that last year too, on day I don't remember which day, maybe it was day two or whatever, but the two of them got an early break at Charm City as well. So it seems like, you know, they know each other. They're both kind of you know, I mean, Brunner has his road. They're all teammates. They were on the same yeah. team. Oh, right. I mean, this is like, this is Michael Cree tra- right. training here, you know? Just go off the front, guys. Go attack. Yeah, 100%. Well, there you go. So they did that last year, you know, before I think before they're ready. This time, I think they were they were up to it. You know, McGill slips out. And that's kind of when Brunner, you know, was off the front. And it forced Vinny to kind of kind of chase him down. So... I don't know. It was fun to watch. It was fun to, I just, you love to see the aggressiveness and knowing that there's these riders like Tobin, like McGill, like Carrie, who really want to be aggressive. And they're just like, I'm going to come in and be aggressive. Like, that's what I'm here for. And if my result suffers a little bit, I don't really care, but I'm going to leave it all out there. And I think it makes the racing more dynamic and more fun. Well, it's like, you know, McGill has nothing to lose, right? Like, he, I also wanted to point out, McGill is probably, he had, He's like the most decorated road racer in that race this year. I mean, he won races at Tour of Turkey. He was like winning jerseys. I mean, he won a bunch of, well, he won uh, Wilmington Grand Prix. He um, So like, 
yeah, he's he's coming to the end of his season. So it's like it, it's like when Blevins came to Charm last year. It's just like, let me just fucking throw. Sorry. Let me just throw bombs and see what happens. Because because, yeah, like, I mean, he might he raced nationals last year, too. So like he might come back at the end. But like, is McGill going for USCX? Whereas, you know, Curtis is and he wants, you know, like so like you said, like he's got nothing to lose. And I saw that that attack with with brunner and and mcgill more of like mcgill's going and brunner's like no you don't get to do that like i'm the cyclocross here like no i'm also going and i'll go the other way and we're going to meet together i thought that was great i i did uh uh quote you and give you a attribution in the in the heat check <clears throat> michael i i i did say that uh mcgill was going great until he went all roadie <laughs> So uh, yeah, other that was that was, I mean that that's the thing about this weekend. That was a great battle to watch, or just a great thing to watch McGill out there. I, I to to be honest, I I you know hadn't really paid attention that much to the crit season. So the the uh, wildlife purple specialized jersey sort of threw me for a loop at first. I was like, who is this guy? He's really fast. And then I kind of put it together. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, along with that, like, like there, so he's like out there racing, you know, in, in the, a 200 K break at the world championship carries out there doing like insane, you know, BWR length gravel races. Is this, is this the new training Zach is gravel <laughs> is now, and now do you have to race? You know how you have to race, a couple of years ago with Vanderpool and wow, you had to race cyclocross to be a good road racer. Do you now have to race gravel to be a good cross a racer a or at least endurance? Right now, Are you sure Is that it... you really want to address this? <laughs> <laughs> Are we just going to jump into Vanderpool <laughs> racing this, gravel the, world the now? Is this you know, where we, we have pivot? this great race between Bruner and uh, and Vinny B that came down to the the very end. But like, let's talk about. Let's talk about Vanderpool racing at the Gravel World Championships. Uh, I mean, so Brunner went into the last lap with a lead. Vinny B caught him and kind of did, you know, gutted it out at the end. It just seemed like, uh, but like they were battling for position. I mean, to to Brunner's credit, like, you know, Vinny B got in front of him. He attacked. Vinny B got back in front. It just seems like kind of in those last corners, it it's there's nothing like defined about it but it's really off cambery and it's really slick or whatever and it just seemed like it was really hard to ever carry speed like there was no corner where you could be like i'm gonna rail this corner it was like there were hard speed limits and bruner just couldn't find it till like maybe the very end that little thing right after the was it after the yeah the little horse corral after the flyover and then he hit the tarmac just going for it which to his credit he went for it he's like i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna go for it if this line doesn't work so be it but i mean he was closing the gap and might have had a punching chance like with the but there was no way he was gonna keep his bike not sliding in weird angles hitting that tarmac yeah there's a couple parts of that and i i, I think you hit on them it's why when i was putting together the course preview for the broadcast with Curtis, one of the things that we I really wanted to hit was that last little off camber section because it it just it doesn't look like anything special. It's just kind of dumb. It's just a little hump in the in the in the ground, but you go around it at such an angle that every year, I think for the past five or six years that they've had that in there, it's it's been a factor. It's been a factor in a race because you know people slide when it's super dusty, people slide down there and then it's just really hard to maneuver when it's uh, wet and greasy. And then, I, yeah, I think that, you know, Bruner was just 
hyped to get into that sprint and you come off of the flyover and people have been racing on that thing, dragging mud onto the asphalt since 7.30 that morning. You know, so it is just slick as snot out there and you really just have to either take it wide and sort of chill out and control that turn before you get going, but, or you take the risk and get the jump, you know? I mean, it's like he didn't do anything wrong. It just, it's just kind of bad luck that he slipped out, but it's like so, 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 um, risky at that spot. Cause it's just so slick and easy, easy to go down. And he wasn't the only one throughout the day. Yeah. It was kind of like when bear or when Barry, when Barry <laughs> calling him a new name, we've got, Kenny, Carrie, Jerry, now he's Barry. <laughs> uh, last last year when Carrie at day one of Cincy, when he was behind Bruner and his only choice was to try to cut it inside and with no speed, hop the planks and, and ate it. You're like, well, you know what? He went, he laid it all out there. Like that was, that was Bruner's only choice. Vinny. Yeah. Vinny. You're second yeah, he either way. Space on Curtis. Right. Vinny took the wide safe line. Eric was trying to make up a second to maybe have a shot at the sprint, and he he went for it. He it was the only choice. It just its success rate was so, very potential, very low, very low. A couple of things I was noticing watching this race, um, and you know, in his interview, Vinny said he didn't feel great, and that's sort of what happened. But I also he went out hard at the beginning, which I feel like we've seen him in the past kind of sit back and let the Americans take control and you know we see brunner or somebody like hit it hard and so i thought it was interesting to see him try maybe try and do something different i didn't know if he sort of thought he needed to sort of like you know outfox the the americans and try a new tact but then he found out his legs weren't working and he was like kind of suffering but the other thing is is this storyline that we have been talking about is like the americans like you know ganging up against north americans ganging up against Vinny, and it's like Yes and no, because like after that race, you see, you know, where Brunner's like, I'm, I've, I'm racing my own race, and you see how I, I, I believe the, I believe the quote is, Vinny's as much my teammate as all those Americans are. I'm not helping any. That's of That's exactly what it was, and it was just in, like there's so many times where White was out, White Curtis White was out the front, and it was like Tobin chasing him, or it was like Brunner chasing him, and like Vinny's like in the back, and it's just like, yeah, we kind of say that, but like. At the exactly what Brunner said, like he's there to win his race, and you know, at one point, I think it may be day two, Funston was chasing down um, Brunner, who was off the front. Um, so that was interesting. And uh, is this is this redemption for Caleb? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say, right? I I think it was this race where Curtis was off the front again. Was it this race? And Brunner was with Vinny, and Brunner's like, I I. I'm just going to do the work and they split it because they, they shut down the gap, but Curtis didn't mention that. <laughs> we didn't hear any mention of that after he that race, was, but like Brunner was working to, to chase that down. It was just funny to see the two of them doing that after last week, which is, which is, which I mean, again, it's something that we want to see. And that, and we've already, you know, we, we've finished the storyline as we'll get to in a minute. So it's, it all worked out for the best, but Take all of that away, and you know we were hard on Caleb, and now we can say that okay, maybe that was fine. Uh, we want to see what we're seeing, right? I mean, once once Vincent has now been solved, and we'll move on. And when we come back to really rad, we come back to Cincy, we come back to these other races. We want 
those guys just bashing each other's heads in. So that's, that's kind of that, that, that mentality is already there. I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, Curtis, in his interview after the race, he was heated. I mean, he was frustrated and I was trying to wonder, you know, I was actually looking on socials to see if he talked about it. Like, was he just frustrated because he gave it his all and like, he just couldn't make it work and then he died or was he frustrated more because of those, those tactics we talked about, but you know, Oh, he, he, he didn't, I mean, he, he didn't think he had it that day. He was basically like, these two guys are stronger than me right now. And, you know, I did all, did all, I saw them that what, what he said was that he saw that they were a couple, they were sort of farther back in the pack. And once he saw that, he was like, well, I'm going, this is my only chance to kind of separate. So that, that was, that was his tactic for, for day one. Should we move on to day two? Anne Marie Worst, V, the off camber. It was interesting. I, it was. It was just. I. I mean, it's it's a tough feature, and it, it was much tougher on on Sunday. Um, it, they went this time right to left with a, a steeper entrance. It was much muddier, or whatever. There was the ledge. Uh, it seems like Worst was really committed to not riding it, but like kick pushing it, kind of like getting her bike in the the groove and kick pushing it and I, did she stick with that move like for the entirety of the race despite um because uh Sydney miguel again started really fast and she just sprinted by her in in the first lap she was just like i'm just gonna run this uh and went dashing past her so it was uh kind of interesting to see uh, the discrepancy between that but bill to your point uh she's very stubborn very stubborn about tackling that feature on sunday yeah i i mean i think that's that's all there is to it i mean maybe it was just a game for her i don't think she really felt like she had much to lose i think she's probably looking for things to solve out there it was her off-camber sudoku and <laughs> by the end of the day she she solved it <laughs> it was her wordle come on bill <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say about this women's race on Sunday. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, again, you know, to Mike, well, it's a great battle. Yeah, a great battle between Austin Killips and Sydney McGill. I mean, they were just going back and forth, and you know, at any point, it was like, oh, this rider has an advantage. This rider has an advantage. And uh, to to their credit, GCN actually followed it a decent amount. I think they recognized that it was kind of the thing to watch, and so. It was good to see that they weren't just, you know, focusing on the lead, which was very lonely and solo, that they were able to find the good battle and knew that it was a couple of North Americans who were duking it out. And I thought they did a, a nice job of of following that. So we kind of got to to watch it. So that was pretty cool. I, Michael, Zach, I mean, you guys have been watching all of these. Um, do you think that this was the best coverage for the USCX yet? Yes. I think so. I, I think this was definitely better than go cross and um i yeah rochester yeah yeah yes definitely yeah definitely was um and was the the drone was a drone grounded on day two drone was grounded on sunday and i think they still did okay it's you know what it's 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 a crutch a little bit 
sometimes. I know that the drone is covering a lot of space that they don't have the cameras for, but the my only issue with the drone is that she's sometimes just so, so far away and we just can't see actually what's happening. So I, I, I thought I thought the coverage wasn't lacking for me, um, and I, I thought it was good. I think it's such a it seems like such a good course to shoot though too. Like it seems because Bill, you did that video a couple of years ago where you sort of essentially did it all by yourself and maybe one helper, and you got most of it, and it just looks like it's set up so good for TV. Yeah, I, no, I, I had I had three GoPros strapped to different parts of the course. I had one camera, and then at the end, I enlisted uh, Jay Lazar, who is the co-race director for Charm City. He got up on the scaffolding that they had basically built for me, so it was pretty awesome, like in the middle of the field. And he followed Kerry and Curtis through the last turns, just freaking nailed his tracking shot, just got them the whole way there. I ran to the finish and then was able to film them coming up for the sprint. So that, that was, that was like the, you know, that, that was kind of the, can you, can you cover a whole race and get 90% of it with basically one camera person? I think and with, yeah, for it. Sunday or for this weekend's broadcast, because it goes to the far side, um, to the hill, they were able to kind of like, there's a hill and a valley. <laughs> they were kind of, I mean, you had like two minutes of racing, maybe eight with how slow <laughs> the mud was where you could just use the, whatever the zoom on the camera was. And you could just get great shots of the entire way across the off camera, all the way up to it, uh, which was really nice to, to be able to, to follow that. I, I guess it was kind of interesting too. Uh, Jens Decker was doing the commentary and it was just kind of interesting listening to him because he, I mean, he doesn't know the riders as much and he was a little bit drier and I think just a little bit more matter of fact, like if a rider was having a bad day, you know, there was no sugar coat in it. Like there was no kind of sugar coat. So it was just, it was different to hear maybe a little bit more of a dispassionate voice broadcasting the race and, you know, and Jeremy, to his credit, I think he does a great job building up American Cross and stuff, but like he's Jeremy and, you know, Jens was just a little bit more dispassionate. So it was, it was an interesting dichotomy or you know just different uh way of broadcasting as the color commentator yeah and it's nice having yens in there too because he's such a cross nerd and also a cross course design nerd and just having that that insight that level of insight is uh is really cool all right any 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 other thoughts i i don't want to short shift the women's racing but honestly is there any <laughs> anything else to dimension from those results caroline money still got a good lead in the uscx um i think unless i doubt anna marie's anna marie is going to be there for really rad because that's euros um so she looks like she's gonna probably take that if she keeps up her uh string of form yeah it's good to be defending first defending champ in the uh USCX, and I think also we, you all were doing the math that uh, Vincent not being there, same kind of the same deal. He'll he'll end up losing out on the championship, assuming that one of those top riders is able to. Yes, yeah, so I think we concluded Vincent right? guaranteed podium, and for the elite women, it'll be three North Americans. Uh, well, I mean. Three North Americans. Henry Worst is fourth right now, and she is not moving up. <laughs> but Vinny, Vinny has a lock. He's clinched. Yeah. He's clinched yeah. a, a podium berth. One, one. Uh, that's fair. One French, North right? American. Exactly. Yeah, adopted North American, and not and not Canadian French <laughs> or French Canadian. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's talk about this Sunday race. Let's um Sunday Sunday Sunday. 
This was it. Last chance. Last chance corral to get Vinny <laughs> in a non-World Cup race on on U.S. soil. Um, what do you what do y'all what are y'all's thoughts? What's the what's the what's the build up? Well, to this? It, well, let's start with um, Mr. Holeshot Scott Funstart. That's my new nickname for him. <laughs> oh, do, oh, can I? Do you want me to? Do you want me to spoil the uh, the heat check for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. Vanderhole Scott. <laughs> Vanderhole Scott. Oh my god. Okay, yeah, it's, it's probably better than Fun Start. But <laughs> I, I, he's going for it. Love it. It's good to see. I mean, just like hammered like crazy. I mean, he went so hard that he tore his tire off his wheel. He just seems so frustrated. It's just like he needs a release, and it's damn it, this is going to be it, no matter what. I like it. I mean, you'd start doing the whole shot, you yeah. last a little bit longer, and then pretty soon you're in competition for, for podiums. I mean, theoretically. So uh why not? Um oh, it's cool. We got Yeah, first first year first year elite. So, you know, he's just kind of working his way in there and doing I mean, we know he's fast. He was, you know, that's like it's always the U twenty three versus elite, so really is no difference <laughs> for for a lot of them so it wasn't like a surprise that he's jumping in here and and racing fast but yeah he definitely uh seems to be racing with a little little bit of aggravation at the beginning of these races i mean so like i mean i guess i'll i'll, I'll do it but uh sunday at rochester um certain rider uh, struggled uh who's been doing well and Sunday in the uh, deep, thick mud at Charm City. Uh, rough day again. Rough couple weeks for for Mr. Bruner. Yeah, I I think that you know it, it's it's I'm sure it's frustrating for him. It's also kind of that frustrating to watch because you see him struggle. You see him crashing, and he's still able to get such good results. It's like he is so strong. That even these big mistakes, uh, he's able to recover from and and get right back in it. Yeah, I think it was interesting. I mean, I was I talked to him after Sunday, and he said that he he does not claim to be good in the slick because there's different kinds of mud, right? There's like tractor pull mud, and then there's the stuff that we saw at Rochester, which yeah, is kind of like this was not ice. power. This wasn't power mud. Yeah, it was like the icy mud, which is just kind of interesting because I guess you know he he won nationals in Chicago, which is. I feel like that was more of an icy, slick mud. So it's just kind of interesting to to hear him say that. But uh, I guess one thing that's been interesting to me is watching the um, development of Curtis into a, a mutter, you know, and I think, and not that he wasn't before, but it just seems like he's really embraced it. And I've always said that 60% of being good in the mud is just embracing that conditions suck and being like, I'm excited to ride in these conditions. And I wonder how much he's benefited, you know, going back to that Dendermonda has best world cup finish ever just being like hey i'm gonna embrace the suck i'm gonna embrace the suck he's excited uh you know and i think it's just really benefited him uh as a bike racer you know you know you know how it is like when it rains you're like i don't want to be here you never race well when you're like i don't want to be here this is terrible yeah and even you know when I was talking to Vincent after day one and we talked about how he didn't have the opportunity to pre-ride he had the wrong tires on. Like he wasn't, you know, at least to start, he wasn't racing with mud tires. Uh, and you know, that kind of like, 
hurt him a little bit in the, in those efforts. He still won the race. You know, no excuses on Sunday. He was on all the same equipment and still Vincent, still strong, still able to get up to the front. But you know, when it when it came down to 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 go time, I think Curtis was handling those conditions better. I think he was smoother in the corners. I think he was picking the better lines. Well, I think it's interesting to look at that uh the last few laps of day two and sort of zach talking about curtis embracing the mud curtis also did the previews for you bill course previews talked about what pits to use so you know curtis has a very high cyclocross iq you listen to his podcast he's always talking about all these various little things that he's trying to dial in he makes the the pit change he makes a bike exchange like on the not the pit he said was to do like kind of on an off lap. And that might've been the move. So just talking about like how he's sort of like, you know, maybe it's not the power, maybe it's not the skill, but it's also sort of like the other, the mental game that he sort of figured out on Sunday and, and the best way to, to beat Vinny. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Cause I guess I would have guessed that you'd still want a clean bike for the last, you know, cause he's doing an extra half lap of mud he did end up passing uh, Vinny when, you know, when Vincent pitted, but, you know, there were, <laughs> there were like 10 lead changes in the last lap. So it was just contributing uh, to, to the lead changes there. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of an, an interesting thing. And, you know, kudos to uh, Jens Decker was all over that kind of talking about what was going on. And, you know, Curtis talked about, he was just kind of like trying to throw a curveball almost like I'm going to do this. Cause it was, he pitted at pit two, right? Like they were pitting at pit one uh, for, for most of the race. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like he kept his composure cause you know, Vincent kind of made what seemed like the last move. It was almost like, Oh, here we go again. Vincent made the move, but then, I mean, he, Vincent made two more mistakes after making what we thought, you know, cause there were bike lanes, like there was a couple seconds, but Curtis stayed calm and Vincent bill to your point, like he just wasn't able to, to ride those corners, didn't have them handled. And he, he went down and then he tried making an inside move and went down again. And Curtis just was very calm and steady. Uh, and it was interesting to watch given that there could have been panic knowing that we know what Vincent does in last laps. So, yeah. And even with three to go, I think where this all started was, you know, you're talking about the, the off camber and the stubbornness and, and Vincent doing the exact same thing that Anne Marie was. He, he wanted to get back on his bike and he's like pushing for two or three strides and then trying to jump back on and then getting off and trying to get back on. And Curtis, Curtis has fast legs and he was able to keep with him stride for stride and kind of, um, didn't give him a line coming off that hill, even though he was running Vincent's on the bike, sort of jams him into the tape um, on his line. Just, you know, Vincent had nowhere to go, and it it jostled his chain off for uh, Bastins, and he's bending over his bike for a good 10 seconds in a really fast power section coming off of the Mansion Hill, and and Curtis gets away. And I think that that was kind of... You look at that, and Vincent, in within a lap, was able to make that 10-second deficit go away. But And you're like, okay, well, and then they're just going to race on even ground. But it wasn't after the race. He was like, yeah, that that took a lot out of me. I burned, I burned a lot of matches. The guy's human. <laughs> he burned a lot of matches to get back on there. And then he was kind of, you know, 
struggling fitness wise because of that effort for for those last two laps plus having to you know race tactically and race race smart so i know Vinny said he didn't bring mud tires on day one i just want to confirm did he not fine did he not have like another set of mud tires using sunday or he's once again still on the intermediates it's the one question that i uh, was kicking myself that i did not ask him after the race all right because just to go back to day one it was interesting because curtis saw that Vinny was on the medium treads or whatever and pitted and went to the treads that Vinny was on but Vinny was like i went saying i only was on those because that's all i had so it was it was an interesting mental game being played there or attempted to be played um yeah just want to note griefos in all conditions that's 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 all i you agree need. i agree or gravel tires <laughs> Aren't there a lot of Grifo haters out there? I feel like there's a certain segment that's just very anti-Grifo. Why? Thinks they're like the worst. I don't know. I, d- I think there's just an anti. I think I've seen it. I could be wrong. Uh, Slow you just down. This, like, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. That they not good or whatever. So Curtis did the thing. Uh, he was quite excited. Um, I mean, I just thought it was just such a good race. I mean, it was just so dynamic. There's so much going on. I, I felt like both days. It's not just like pack racing with guys falling off it's attacks it's people off the front it's people making mistakes right people coming back and then you just saw like an absolute uh epic last lap and i i, I don't know i guess i was thinking back to like you know just those days when the conditions are epic a lot of times you know people will win by a minute or whatever because someone's just clearly superior but those those i'm thinking i think of like 2013 worlds like you know the epic conditions and um sven and Klaus just battling it out and you know one emerges at the end just caked in mud or whatever and this kind of reminded me of that it's just like those are the days that you remember of when cyclocross is special when the conditions are epic and two two racers just deliver this amazing performance and someone crosses the line exuberant exhausted covering mud and it was just really cool to see and you know bruce buckley of the bulletins nailed it just incredible finish line shot of just seeing that emotion and stuff and it was just it was really cool it was really cool yeah and it's it's you know, it's always fun to see sprints, but also I like how these races turned out. It was kind of the same thing on day two that we saw on day one. It was uh, somebody going down. It wasn't the last turn this time. It was, what, like two turns before the last turn where they, you know, Vincent went down and Curtis was able to ride around him, get that two, three bike length, length uh, on him. And that's that's all it took. I mean, that's what we talked about in that preview from that exact spot is like, you need to be first coming in here. And then he was, and that's, that's, that's what did it. But I liked it. I liked that that was, they were racing full on up to that spot instead of taking it easy, you know, I'm not taking it easy, being more conservative to bring it to the end of the race. It was like, they were trying to win it out on the course, which is cool. This is the cross that like you want to see. And this is exactly what I meant when I said the cranes were in the sky. Like, like cross is good. Like this is, we had a good weekend of cross racing and like, I, yeah, I got, I was pumped. It was just so cool to see so many different things. So many cyclocross moves happened this weekend. I'll say this too. I mean, I just feel like this has been building. I think it's, it's awesome that we've gotten to see it for the last two years, but elite men's race. I mean, they might not be winning in europe or top tenning but the elite men's racing in american cyclocross has just been absolutely incredible for years now and i it just it feels like 
people should be more excited. I mean, I know like just the, if you want incredible bike racing and we get to watch it, like these races are just more often than not have been really, really good dating all the way back to the, the Kenny versus Curtis year of 2019. Uh, I mean, this is like, I mean, if this was a European race, people would be talking about this a year from now, like as one of the great races that they've seen, this was just such a good bike race. And I hope that that's not lost on people that, you know, these athletes are delivering incredible performances and putting on shows that, you know, if it was too, we'd be like, oh, this is amazing. If it was at Namur or whatever, we'd be like, that was epic. Like, yeah, cyclocross is the best. And I think we should be saying that. Like, it's good bike racing and it's fun to watch. Yeah. And it's on a, on a quality course too that, that challenged these riders. So, yeah, I, I think good weekend all around. Should we uh, quickly uh, preview World Cups or you got something to finish Just on? Just shout out to Kerry coming back. I mean, he 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 kind of came back to them because Curtis and Vinny were a little bit looking at each other and Vinny was taking out the gloves and Curtis was like, no, you go. And Vinny was like, no, I got to take my gloves off. You go. And and Kerry uh, came back. I mean, he 30 seconds, but like he, he made a move and he got on the podium. Like that was great. Difference, difference between Europeans and uh, Americans. Vinny's like cleaning off, washing his whole face, getting ready for the interview. Curtis and Carrie are like, look at us. We're caked in mud. <laughs> Check yeah. it out. Yeah, very American. <laughs> it was good. I was, yeah, I was happy to see uh, Carrie up there. I think it's, I think it's great in, in, I don't know. I know he has to race gravel. I don't want to put words in his mouth that this is more fun for him, but it certainly looks like he's just enjoying these. I think he's really taking in these weekends and they're that much more precious for him because they are so few for what he has to do with the rest of his calendar. And and to have him come back and still be a factor is just awesome. It was it was so fun to see him up there fighting it out. One quick shout out to I don't know if it's day one or day two, Ben Frederick uh on the single speed getting eleventh. I don't know, or maybe he got fourteenth on day day one. But I want Cyclocross twenty four to have like to note when the riders are on single speed so we can see, you know, top single speed rider in the elite race do you want the do you want like the double asterisk or do you want like the little cross, the cross. on there yeah. for the cross yeah, yeah. okay but that note the one there. cog maybe maybe the oh, asterisk is mean, better because it's a one cog i mean and then obviously the last thing is kudos to michael vandenham getting back into fourth <laughs> i mean uh, talk about cross cross getting to its natural state michael vandenham back and forth after getting memed hard on set. <laughs> so good. Yeah, Clam Bitchin had a good weekend. <laughs> yep. Whoever you are, even though you're there with us all. All right. Uh World Cups. I I fifty men at Waterloo, thirty five women at Waterloo. I I you know I, I think it's it's notable when you're looking at the women's field. I don't know if this is just coincidence, if it's the uh, actual decision of the riders. No Belgian women decided to come to this World Cup. I don't know what that says or what that means, but it's 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 certainly no- noteworthy. Uh, the Dutch, on the other hand, you know they they have all of the championships, so they get to have eight plus one. They're bringing nine riders. Um, you know, full contingent. So I yeah I, I thought the other you know I don't know if it's funny the other thing that I, that I was noting was that there are between the there is uh, what is it Helene Clausel is that the right did I get the right Clausel I think so 
So non she's she's from France and then there's uh was it Judith uh Judith Crawl, I think. Judith Crawl from Germany. Those are the two non Dutch Canadian or American riders who don't already live in the US. So two two other international riders made the trip. We got Maria Larkin, who's a you know, Chicago resident, and then uh Manny who races for France but is a Coloradan. Are we getting a last minute appearance by Katarina Nash? No. <laughs> She already she already did her last minute appearance. She she raced worlds on, That's true. Road, That's on the road. Right. Yeah. She uh, wait. She raced had, worlds. You see it, road worlds. Yeah. yeah, I missed that. Wow. She because uh, they had their um, UCI meetings there, <laughs> so she had to wear her blazer and go to meetings <laughs> for the whole week. And then she was like, "I'm here," and I think she just is sort of like grandmothered into the Czech team any world championship she wants to show up at she can just race so she jumped in and raced road worlds it's pretty freaking awesome but uh yeah I think that I think that her uh years ago we all got in trouble for saying she was retired I know Zach did I did too from cyclocross and she got very upset at that I I think we're getting closer to 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 safety in that in that statement yeah. I mean, I don't, when I talked or when I did our survey before the season, she's like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Still scared to say. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, you know, men's side, kind of full contingent, the, the people that you think are going to be there. It's uh, going to be in the 50s. I don't know if it's going to be raining. Is it going to be raining, Zach? Have you looked at the weather? I have not looked at the weather. How how is it in Chicago right now? Uh, it was nice. It was actually like in the seventies. Yeah. Like had a couple of warm days. No rain. It's supposed to rain on Thursday, but I haven't looked. Uh, I'm not a big weather looker kind of guy. I don't know. Hmm. I just kind of deal with it as it comes up. Really? So that yeah, I'm not, not a big right. weather guy. Not a big weather yeah. looker guy. Okay. Okay. We're at, we're at an hour eleven. This is how we're going to end, Michael. Uh, are we doing, I don't want to do podiums. Straight up winners. Straight up winners. Men and women. Elite Waterloo. Uh, okay. Hang on one second. Uh, winner of the Femme Van Empel. I'm all in on Femme this year. And in the men's side, I mean... Are you going to match me? It's going to be Ellie. Okay. Zach? Yeah, I think that uh, last year we had three women going into the last lap. I think it'll be Batsma, Femme, and Lucinda Brand. I think Lucinda Brand gets... she's, She's... gotten schooled by Mariana Voss last year. I think that she's going to use that knowledge and win a last lap uh, thriller for, for the women. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like Ailey is probably going to win for the men. Okay. I'll be, I'll be the one different for the men. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of had femme marked. I think that she's doing well, but then I don't know. The jet lag seems to be an issue. So maybe that'll take effect. So, um, yeah, no, I'm sticking with Fan, but I'm going with Van Toren out. Michael Van Toren out. Good for pick. Yeah, I like so it. Made the two of them again. The two of them again, like last year, the buddy comedy. Yeah. But this time, Van Toren out just schools <laughs> Ailey. He he yeah. won last this week this weekend or yeah. Um, Van Toren. Did you see? Did, I, I tweeted that. Did you see in uh, I think it was HLN or one of the other uh, newspapers? There's like some big um, fantasy league. I'm sure it costs money, and they were like doing their picks. 
they were like prognosticating for the fantasy uh for the cyclocross fantasy league you know talking about the young guys coming up and everything uh, i get on that that sounds fun yeah i want to point out that lucinda brand and fem van ample are one in one when it comes to two up sprints at races this year so all right let's do it all right we'll all be there we'll uh yeah i guess well we all won't be there michael michael will be there gosh only two of us two out of the three for both of these races uh but yeah uh we'll, we'll talk to y'all after uh waterloo see you then do you want to add one more thing to charm city no curtis white beat dieter swick stephen hyde Vinny Basins, Timo Enrig, Landon. He beat a bunch of Belgians and Swiss at Rochester in 2019. Just want to point that out. See you next time. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.